Good afternoon, everyone. Dr. Stillman here. And today I am excited to be chatting about whether or not blood donation is good for you. This is one of my favorite topics. It's one of the things that I have been invited to lecture on in Australia this past fall and then at the Weston A. Price Foundation Conference in Knoxville a year and a half ago or so. And this is something that comes up often in my practice because I often find myself recommending blood donation uh, to clients as an intervention for many of their various problems. And why is this? I'll get into that in a minute when we go over those papers. Truthfully, there's tons of material on this at my Substack, stillmanmd.substack.com. If you put in blood donation or iron, you'll get lots of blog posts on this. I recorded a Thursday morning masterclass on this topic a few months ago now on blood donation and blood pressure. That masterclass is now in Dr. Stillman's Wellness Secrets, which is exclusively for people in our Fundamentals of Wellness Coaching Plus course program. Uh, you can check that out at stillmanwellness.com, sign up for our email newsletter and find out more about it and get access to our free Thursday morning webinars. But today we're diving into a specific topic that I talk about all the time with clients, which is should they donate blood? Okay. Now, whenever I tackle some kind of intervention, as a doc in the alternative integrative functional medicine world, I have to uh, make sure that what I'm recommending makes sense from a cost benefit analysis uh, perspective. What I find overwhelmingly to be the case is that in the conventional mainstream medical world, they're slow adopters for a lot of interventions. And I don't, get this very often because of how the internet and how censorship is frankly keeping certain people away from content that I put out. But when I, what I anticipate is that people get a lot of pushback from people in the mainstream or conventional world when people like me say blood donation could be good for people because most of them have never heard this concept. I went through a conventional residency, medical school training. I never heard about the benefits of blood donation until I was must have been two or three years ago, I read Paul Dennis Mangan's work on this called Dumping Iron. Then I read Jim Moon's book, Iron the Most Toxic Element. Then I ran into Morley Robbins and read his work on this. Not that he's an academic or researcher or clinician, but I just got tuned into this whole iron overload is a real problem paradigm, which now, as I mentioned, I lecture on. And I became quite convinced by compelling evidence. But what you'll find when you go into the literature on this, as in almost any topic, is that it's conflicting. There's many different papers with many different perspectives. And often what I find happens is that people will look at one paper or a body of literature and the consensus view, and they'll say, well, such and such is not true. Therefore, Dr. Stillman is wrong. And obviously I can be wrong. I've been wrong many times. I like to quote Niels Bohr, who said, an expert is merely someone who has made all of the mistakes possible within a very narrow field of study. And I'm sure that's true of me. It's true of anyone who's ever really tried to do anything worthwhile that's also challenging. And that's why it's so important to talk about how confused people can get just from reading the literature. I think this is critically important because I often see people resorting to appealing to the literature as their source of authority. They say, well, studies have shown, or I read the studies, or I read the literature, I have a PhD. Having a PhD, looking at studies, reading the literature, it's wonderful. I'm glad people do it. But if you look at people like Johnny Wanadis's work, he's clearly published and argued that more than 50% of published research findings are false. That's decades old now, or almost decades old. 
there's wide agreement on that in the in the scientific community that at least there's significant amounts of fraud. There's a reproducibility crisis. So lab A cannot reproduce the outcomes of lab B. And sadly, science has become commoditized because at the end of the day, the people in charge of research dollars award them not based upon the quality of the inquiries and the results, but based upon things like numbers of papers published, numbers of awards received, impact factor. Frankly, science has gotten really decoupled from the public's view of what science is supposed to be in the sense that scientists are very interested in science for the sake of science. But people in the real world want science to inform how they live, behave, the choices they make on a day-to-day -day basis so that they can live a better, healthier, happier life, okay? All of that being said, I think that most people are wildly wrong in their understanding of blood donation and iron dynamics in the human body. And this is why I think it's so important or one of the reasons why I think it's so important. So I pulled up this paper looking back through this literature uh, for papers and evidence on the benefits of blood donation. And what I found was that this paper, and I'm just highlighting it as an example, For no, by no means is this a particularly compelling paper. So this is serum ferritin and death from all causes in cardiovascular disease, the NHANES 2 mortality study. This is a study, and I won't bore you with the details, but basically they looked at epidemiological evidence for the idea that ferritin correlated with mortality, okay? And what they found is that, quote, there were no statistically significant associations between serum ferritin and any of the cardiovascular endpoints for any of the groups. Translation, they couldn't correlate serum ferritin with any significant cardiovascular endpoint problem statistic, such as heart attacks. I would I assume that they mean strokes, any kind of event within the cardiovascular system, right? And therefore they conclude the results do not support the hypothesis that positive body iron stores as measured by serum ferritin are associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease, congestive heart disease, or coronary heart disease or MI death or between serum ferritin and all cause mortality. Now, what this gets translated to in say the media is, oh, iron is not associated with these problems, which is totally wrong, totally wrong. The researchers have very correctly stated that there was not a correlation in their data set, but people hear one thing and think another. And that's why it's very important to think about how we read studies and think about how we listen to or consider um, media coverage of health. I, in all respects, I find that the media, the way the media covers health is, is often doing more harm than good, which is a big part of why I feel it's important for me to do videos like this. I don't feel like people are giving you a balanced perspective with a broad uh, survey of the literature. This is complicated by the fact that most academics are being paid to be experts in a very narrow field. I am not. I, I make my living taking care of real people in the real world and getting them real results that help them improve their function, their quality of life, and resolve serious chronic medical issues. And that's what I focus all my time and energy on, right? Totally different from what conventional medicine is doing, which is essentially creating perpetual customers who are constantly in and out of the hospital, the pharmacy, the clinic, you know, how the conventional medical system is just failing us all catastrophically. So it does not mean when people say, oh, well, there's no evidence of that, that donating blood is not a good thing. And I want to highlight a couple of other papers here 
where, you know, if you read just that first paper I shared, you might say, oh, well, I'm not going to donate blood because there was no association between serum ferritin, our best marker of total body iron status, arguably, and death from cardiovascular disease. But the real question is, does donating blood reduce your risk of death, disease, and other things that you don't want, right? So this paper is blood donation and blood donor mortality after adjustment for a healthy donor effect. What is a healthy donor effect? It's very important for you guys to understand that one of the big ways that that people get confused in interpreting scientific data writ large in the public is that they don't understand how the population has selected itself. So if you were to do some kind of study, like let's say on like energy healing or magical crystals, and you recruited from the general public um, on a voluntary basis for the study, you would attract people who thought magical crystals were more likely to work and you would be tapping into a massive placebo effect. Arguably, people who are enrolling in drug trials, this is the case. Now, I'm not, not going to you know, jump down that rabbit hole and, and explore that, but it's important to understand that when studies are done and how studies are done and who's recruited has everything to do with the outcomes, which is why one of the ways that studies can be gamed. And it's important to understand that. It's also very important that when, for me, when I'm making the recommendation to patients of, oh, you should donate blood because it's good for you at best and at worst, you're saving someone else's life. So what's the real downside, right? It's important for me to be aware of the healthy donor effect so that I'm not just recommending this to people and, and overselling the benefits. The healthy donor effect is an effect where, and it doesn't necessarily have to be donation, right? This is blood donation, but people who donate blood are more likely to be more healthy than the general public. They're more likely to be altruistic. They're more likely to be giving charitable kind people. I don't know this, but I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they were more likely to do things like go to church, volunteer in their local community, practice random acts of kindness, feel on a daily basis an emotional or, or a sensation of gratitude. All of these things can then translate into health benefits just from that those choices, right? Uh, likewise, people who are not donating blood may have um, be making poor lifestyle choices that are bad for them, that preclude them from donation. Um, and they may have a lot of psychosocial stress that keep them out of the donation uh, center and so on and so forth, leading to then the people who donate blood are healthier than the people who do not. And then when we look at the fact that the people who donate blood have a lower incidence of X, Y, or Z problem, we're not actually seeing the effect of the blood donation. We're seeing the effect of their healthy lifestyle overall. Okay. Um, this was used in the last three years all over the place to justify some things that people said, oh, look at the people who did X, they had better outcomes. Well, many of those people were better educated, they were wealthier, they were in better shape at the beginning. And so saying, oh, the benefit was from X or Y or Z intervention is not necessarily fair because they may have had a head start or an advantage over the general public at first, right? So this study is great because they tried to figure out, are we seeing a healthy donor effect as in the people who donate blood are healthier anyway, and therefore have lower risks of problems, or are we seeing that blood donation actually does confer a benefit? So in this study, they state studies have repeatedly demonstrated that blood donors experience lower mortality than the general population. While this may suggest a beneficial effect of blood donation, it may also reflect the selection of healthy persons into the donor population. To overcome this bias, we investigated the relation between blood donation frequency and mortality within a large cohort of blood donors. 
and what did they find? Analyses adjusted only for demographic characteristics showed an 18.6% reduction in mortality per additional annual donation. After additional adjustment for the internal healthy donor effect, each additional annual donation was associated with a 7.5 decreased mortality risk. So what does that mean? What is the translation of that? It means that based on their method of adjusting, adjusting for that healthy donor effect, they still see a decrease in mortality risk, which reassures me that it's reasonable for me to tell people that there's health benefits associated with blood donation that are not just associated with the act of donating and the background of blood donors, okay? And they simply conclude, we observed an inverse relationship between donor frequency and mortality, which means essentially that this is good for you. Okay, second study I wanna bring up, a historical cohort study on the effect of lowering body iron through a blood donation on incident cardiac events. So background, low body iron may protect against atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease through limiting oxidation of low density, density lipoprotein cholesterol. Observational studies suggest that donation of whole blood might be associated with reduced risk of cardiovascular events. That's basically a rehash of what I've been talking about this whole time. And I won't, I won't go into the study design and methods in detail. Here's what they found, okay? 2,104 uh, subjects were surveyed a median of 10 years after the index donation. Frequent donors weighed less and were less likely to be taking current, currently taking antihypertensive and lipid-modifying drugs. Events occurred in 6.3% of frequent and 10.5% of casual donors, okay? What does that mean? What's the translation? So the more, the people who donated blood more frequently weighed less, they had a lower body weight, and they were less likely to be on blood pressure meds and lipid modifying drugs. That means anti-cholesterol drugs. That right there is a really important finding. Why is it important finding? Mechanistically, when we look at why iron creates illness, it's because of increased oxidative stress. That increased oxidative stress tends to manifest as things like high blood pressure, and what we call dyslipidemias or problems with blood lipids, okay? Those are sort of the canaries in the coal mine that something may be going wrong with someone's cardiovascular health. Now, the lipid, you know, cholesterol, heart disease hypothesis is a whole other can of worms that I'm not gonna get into here. But bottom line, the frequent donors were healthier based on the fact that they weighed less and they were on fewer low blood, blood blood pressure lowering medications than the people who were infrequent or casual donors. And this is borne out by the fact that they had fewer events. So 6.3 versus 10.5. And so these people conclude frequent and long-term whole blood donation is associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular events. So in conclusion, I look at this literature all the time. I'm totally fascinated by it. Whenever I'm looking at a clinical question that's coming up in my practice, what should people eat? What supplements should they take? How many should they take? How often should they take them? How long should they take them for? What should I monitor in order to decide whether or not they should continue it? I look at all of those through the lens of not only what am I tracking like serum ferritin for their response to therapy, but I also look at it as what is the upside? What is the downside? The upside of blood donation is all those benefits that I talked about before. 
There is significant controversy and much remains, I think, to be determined about the true and absolute benefits of blood donation. But for my money, blood donation has become one of my favorite things to recommend to people because it so consistently leads them to function and feel better. In fact, I just had a conversation or received a testimonial from a client who came on board with us about three or four months ago. She said she's 90% better. One of the key things I told her to do was go out and donate blood, even though she didn't want to. Uh, this is why I donate blood every two months because I have one of the mutations for iron overload. And so I tend to accumulate blood. I know that my ferritin bounces around a lot. I don't rely on that as a marker for my total body iron. Do I have any objective signs that my health is better since I started donating blood a year and a half ago? No, actually I don't because most of my markers are in such an optimal range that there's arguably nothing for me to improve. I don't have high blood pressure. I'm not overweight, but I'm very interested in keeping my total body iron low in an optimal range, which is not well reflected by the serum ferritin. So papers like the first one I shared lead to a lot of confusion amongst the general public as to what's good for them, what's bad for them, what should they spend their precious time, money, resources on. I prefer to cut through a lot of what gets, you know, turns into grist for the uh, media um, headline machines, let's call them, and just ask simple questions. Does this confer any benefit for people? Can we prove that the benefit is due to the intervention or is it perhaps due to a confounding variable like, as we talked about before, the healthy donor effect? So if you like content like this, videos like this, share this with someone who needs it, click the like, follow, share, subscribe, all the buttons on YouTube that I'm sure I don't even know about because it seems like they're always coming out with new ones. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter at stillmanwellness.com for our free Thursday morning masterclass, which then turns into a webinar that's in a paid course. You'd be crazy to miss it. These are really great. You won't find this information anywhere else. So join our newsletter at stillmanwellness.com. You can become a client by going to stillmanmd.com, going to the apply for consult and clicking apply for consult and filling out the form there. Thanks everyone for watching. Take care and have a great day. And don't forget to get outside.